Welcome again to Filled with His Love. Um, the question for today is, why do we need to suffer? Suffering is always a puzzle for most people. A recent survey showed that when people are asked to identify their most troubling, puzzling thought about God, a resounding majority said, why does he allow so much suffering? Or as some ask, why do bad things happen to good people? Today, I want to share some thoughts on this topic from a trusted friend, Francine R. Benyon. Francine and I have lived in the same ward for over 20 years, but I first met Francine years earlier when I had just joined the faculty at BYU. Francine was also a faculty member at BYU at the time, and I remember well when she gave me some priceless advice following a presentation I made to a large group of educators. This was a presentation I did not feel very good about, actually. I knew things hadn't gone like I had wanted them, and she somehow sensed that and gave me a bit of counsel that I've drawn upon throughout my life. Francine had some uncanny way of understanding how you were feeling and why you were feeling that way. She served on the general board of the Relief Society for a number of years, but perhaps her most important contribution to the entire church was an essay she wrote and also delivered as a talk at BYU Women's Conference in 1986. It's entitled, quote, A Latter-day Saint Theology of Suffering, end quote, which is now included in the essays published by the Church. It fits well with this week's Come Follow Me focus on Christ's power to heal. He healed the leper, the man stricken with palsy, the lame, the blind, and even raised others from the dead. But here's an important point that I did not see in the lesson this week. Jesus did not heal everyone from their infirmities. There were obviously thousands suffering from some sort of disease or injury that he did not heal, simply because, for one reason, he never encountered them. He never came to know them or came close to them. And if you've seen the movie The Chosen... He sometimes did not even heal those who were very close to him. In other words, he did not come to earth to eliminate suffering from our mortal existence. He came to help us understand that we could endure suffering as he did and that he would strengthen us so we could endure it. I want to share today an excerpt from Francine's talk. She was teaching an honors class at the time and they had just been reading Voltaire, the French writer and philosopher. So now I quote from Francine's talk. Quote, a group of BYU honor students was discussing Voltaire and the best of all possible worlds. Tell me, I said, what you consider to be the best of all possible worlds. Oh, it would be like the celestial kingdom. Well, what is that like? Well, there won't be problems like we have here. What kind of problems? Francine asked. Well, for one thing, everyone will be happy. There won't be any unkindness. No one there will be rejected or abused or laughed at or ignored. Oh, I said, are you suggesting that God experiences none of these things now? And then there was silence for a moment. In wanting to get to the celestial kingdom, these students had more awareness of traditional struggle-free utopias than of our own God 
and our own world. The celestial kingdom was a place to get away from suffering, not a place to understand it and address it in ways consistent with joy and love and agency. Francine was helping her students, that was the end of the quote, that was the end of the excerpt, Francine was helping her students understand that God also suffers. As it says in Moses, God weeps. And we know that Jesus wept from the account in 3 Nephi. We believe in a God who senses our suffering and suffers with us. Suffering is a part of life, apparently not only mortal life, but life in the eternities. Now, Francine continues. These are Francine's words, quote, God offered a profoundly different possibility, that with his help we meet and create reality as individuals in a universe of law and personal agency, and ultimately choose who we want to be, choosing to become more like himself if that is what we want, choosing to become gods if that is what we truly want for all eternity. Law in God's universe is a matter of processes or relationships that are knowable and predictable, not whimsical or inconsistent. Such law is inherent in all matters. Agency in such a universe is not only the capacity for moral choice, but more largely the capacity for real thought, action, and invention, with inherent consequences for oneself and others. An agent is one whose self cannot be permanently determined by other persons or by events and circumstances. The implications of this doctrine are important to our suffering, whether we live in England or Africa, with or without current understanding of God's ways. We wanted life, however high the cost. We suffer because we were willing to pay the cost of being and of being here with others in their ignorance and inexperience as well as our own. We suffer because we are willing to pay the costs of living with laws of nature, which operate quite consistently whether or not we understand them or can manage them. We suffer because, like Christ in the desert, we apparently did not say we would come only if God would change all of our stones to bread in time of hunger, we were willing to know hunger. Like Christ in the desert, we did not ask God to let us try falling or being bruised only on condition that he catch us before we touch the ground and save us from real hurt. We were willing to know hurt. Like Christ, we did not agree to come only if God would make everything bow to us and respect us or admire us and understand us. Like Christ, we came to be ourselves, addressing and creating reality. We are finding out who we are and who we can become, regardless of immediate environment or circumstances. One reason we were willing to pay the high costs of continuing to address reality and become ourselves is that God told us we can become more like himself. We can become more abundantly alive, with ultimate fullness of truth, joy, and love. 
fullness impossible for souls unable to take real part in creating it, souls ignorant of good or evil, pleasure or pain, souls afraid of the unknown. That's the end quote of that quite large excerpt, but I, I just resound so positively to her words. When she said, truth, joy, and love, this is one of the central messages of Francine's talk, that love ultimately is the aim. The more truth we come to know, the more joy we experience. And the more joy we experience, the greater capacity we will develop to receive and give love as God receives it and gives it. This is really the aim of mortality, and without suffering, we could not grow in these essential ways. Suffering causes us to question, and questions asked in faith lead to truth, or they can lead to truth if we allow them to. Truth brings us fulfillment, a sort of settling of the soul, and the more settled our soul becomes, the more joy we feel. The love we feel for others when they are suffering is the same sort of love God feels for us when we are suffering. We can feel His love for us in an unspeakably powerful way when we are in the midst of pain or anguish. Something deep inside us calls out to Him to keep us close. Don't let us go. Stay by us. Comfort us. It is the pure love of Christ. And we know that he understands suffering more than any other mortal who ever lived on the earth. He endured every pain, every discouragement, every struggle that we will ever experience. So when we must face some sort of affliction, I hope we will draw closer and closer to the one who can succor us as no other. Then our suffering will help us become more like him. That's my very dear hope and I wish you all the best and look forward to seeing you next time.